Masechet Megillah, Daf Yod Gimel, continuing our long derasha on almost the whole book of, of uh, Esther. Uh, this is really unique that we have, because all of our midrashim on all books of Tanakh or from Eretz Yisrael, and this is uh, one of the very, very few midrashim continuous that we have from Bavel uh, for almost the whole Megillah Esther. So we're continuing, we were talking about the word Yehudi, and we said that uh, Mordechai, although he's not from Yehuda, is called Yehudi because anyone who denies idolatry is thereby called a Yehudi, like Yehudi, someone who uh, believes in the oneness of God. And related to that theme, we're also going to talk about, oh, related to Parashat Shavua, the uh, Bat Paro. Uh, Bat Paro, who saves Moshe, is not named in the Torah. But there is a name of a certain Bat Paro mentioned in Divrayamim, and the Midrash is going to relate the two together. Here we go. Rebishim on ben Pazi, Kiava Petach Bedivrehayamim Amarhachi, Kodavarecha Ehadhem, Beanu Yodim Le Dorshan. When he would talk about the book of Divrehayamim, and if you ever read Divrehayamim, you know it's just mostly long, uh, especially the beginning, a long list of names of families. And you wonder when you're reading this, who are these people, and why do we need to know all the family lineages? And he says, in fact, all the words of Divrei uh, Amim are one, and we, we know how to explain them. What it means by this is that we're going to see a whole list of names, and, we're gonna, and, and the Midrash is going to say they're not talking about different people not, not, they're not, uh, 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 that are related to each other, but they're all descriptions of one same person. The point is that a lot, many of the names here are actually symbolic, uh, um, or, or symbolic names for certain people and uh, are telling us descriptions about them. So let's see this example. So there's a woman who was a Yehudiyah woman and she bore children and it looks like these are um, all different people, right? Yered and the father of Gedor, Gedor and Chevet and the father of Socho, um, or Chevet, who was the father, and Yukutiel, who was the father of Zanoach. All these are the sons of Bitya, the daughter of Paro, who, um, who was, who, who Mered took. Uh, okay, so we don't know these people. As hard to identify them. Is this the very same paro as the as the Egyptian paro as the one from from Shemot? Is it someone else? Um, okay, the Peshat is very difficult to understand, and that's why the Midrash comes to save the day. Amai kari la Yehudia. So it says this uh, Yehudia is actually bat paro. So why are you calling her Yehudia? She was Egyptian. She was not Jewish. Uh, ah, because she rejected idolatry, she rejected her father's ways and all the Egyptian gods and all that. Um, so therefore, she is called Yehudia, as we said. Anyone who rejects idolatry and is, believes in one God, you don't have to be related to Yehuda to join in. Uh, and be part of the group, part of the nation. And then it says that she went down to wash in the river, in the Nile. And we're understanding that as going to the mikveh, right? She went to the, to the river to convert. And that was her conversion process. So there you go. And once you convert, you are a Yehudiyah, 
even if it's uh, even if you're not from the tribe of Yehuda. She went out to purify herself from the idols of her father's house. Yalda, uh, and now it says that she gave birth. <clears throat> um, but uh, she didn't raise Moshe. So we're assuming that all the children that are mentioned here are all different synonyms, different names of Moshe. But you can't, if it is Moshe, she didn't give birth to Moshe. She only raised him. This teaches us beautiful teaching that anyone who helps to raise an orphan boy or girl in his house, it's like you gave birth to them. And this really, you know, beautiful sometimes is people who unfortunately have have uh, difficulty having biological children. And, you know, if they uh, raise uh, orphans, then that is counted. That's the same thing. A wonderful mitzvah. Okay, yet it. So the first of the children, right, if you look back in the Pasuk, is Yered, and then this is Avi, who was the father of Gedor, but we're going to take these as all separate names. Uh, so why was Moshe Rabbeinu called Yered? Because the man came down uh, during his day in his merit. Gedor shegadar pirsoten shel Yisrael. He was the fence... Um, uh, f- fixer because he uh, fenced in any breaches uh, of the fence of the Jewish people. Um, like when there's an enemy coming or when there's punishment coming upon them, he would stand in the breach and protect the people. He was the connector because he connected uh, B'nai Israel with their father in heaven. He protected B'nai Israel like a sukkah offers protection to those in it. Yekutiel, shekivu Yisrael la'el be'yamav. Moshe was also called Yekutiel, um, which were combined, uh, making uh, two words, Yekav, uh, like to hope for, to trust in Hashem. And he taught B'nai Israel to trust in Hashem. As Noach, she's niach avonotem shel Yisrael, that Moshe Rabbeinu, he caused the iniquities of the Jewish people, as niach, to, to send them away, to be disregarded, and, and um, uh, uh, by asking Hashem to forgive them. So these are all actually synonyms for Moshe and descriptions of his qualities. Now, three of the names over there says Avi, 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 right? These people, are, and they're not separate people, but yet it was the father of Gedor. So what's with those three names that uh, have father in them? And this teaches us Av Batorah, Av Bechokmah, Av Bin Viut. Uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was the, 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 the father of Torah. He taught Torah, he taught wisdom, and he was the greatest prophet. And that's why it says Av three times. Ve'ele Bine Bitya. So this is based on a tradition that the context of this pasuk is actually about Kalev. And so, so and the Kalev married Batya, uh, 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 according to this. So why are you calling him Mered? That Mered took her, his name is Kalev. And so this is also, his name is really Kalev, but he was nicknamed Mered because he rebelled against the advice of the spies. He's the one that was very courageous and said, no, we can go in. Don't listen to the spies um, that said it's too hard for us. And so because he was rebellious against uh, 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 something negative, so too the daughter of Paro 
uh, rejected, rebelled against the idols of her father's house. So they were a good match uh, for each other. Okay, really fascinating. Um, and uh, this is just one little snippet of a very smooth Rashim on that take all the names there to all be uh, metaphors and uh, learn tremendous amounts of uh, traditions from, from those names. Okay, Asher Hegla. Now back to our verse-by-verse explanation. Mordechai was someone who had been exiled from Jerusalem. It's not clear if he himself was exiled. The timing wouldn't really work out very well if Mordechai, because the exile was way, way before Mordechai lived. Uh, so you have to say, Ben Kish Ben Yemini, it's not he was exiled, but his great-great-grandfather was the one who was exiled to, uh, from Jerusalem. And Mordechai was from that lineage uh, that was in Bavel. Okay, but anyway, Amaravá shegala me'atzmo. Rava says that uh, he, when it says he went into exile, he didn't was not forced, but he went on uh, on his own. He, he so everybody was going. Uh, they're probably deriving this because it says Asher hogla im hagola. He was exiled with the exile. What do you mean he was with the exile? So that makes it sound like. The people were going into exile, and he said, wait, wait for me, I'm going to come with you, uh, perhaps because he felt like his leadership was needed uh, in exile. Uh, maybe no coincidence that Rava says this, Rava is, in, is living in Bavel, and maybe he feels the same thing, that he is uh, living in, in exile, even though technically he could move to Eretz Yisrael, there were Amoraim at the same time living in Eretz Yisrael, but perhaps he feels like the community in exile needs him. Now, Esther has two names, right? He was he brought up, and her name was Hadassa, and she is also Esther. Well, why does she have two names? Tanya, Rabbi Meir Omer, Esther Shema, Shema Hadassa, Al Shem Sadikim Shinikiru Hadassim, Vechen Hu Omer, Vehu Omer Ben Hadassim. So her real name was Esther, and her nickname was Hadassa, meaning Myrtle because righteous people are compared to myrtles. And we see in Zechariah, in his uh, first prophecy, he sees a man, an angel, uh, standing among the myrtles. And so uh, myrtles are associated with righteousness. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Hadassah Shema. Yehuda says, no, opposite. Her real name was Hadassah. V'lamadikra Shema, Esther. Al-shem shaitam masteret devare hashlemad en Esther. Magedet et Ama. Uh, so she was nicknamed Esther because she concealed her identity. So Esther sounds like lehastir um, uh, uh, to hide. Uh, as it says, she would not tell anyone where she was from. Nabi Nehemiah Omed. Third answer. Hadashah Shema. Lamnikra Esther. Shayu umot haolam korinota al shum istahar. Her real name was Hadassah, which makes sense. It's a nice Hebrew name. And she was nicknamed Esther because the other nations would call her on the name of Ishtar. Ishtar um, associated with different, uh, either Venus or moon or planets, but was also the name of the Babylonian goddess of uh, beauty and love, uh, um, Ishtar. And so this actually makes a, a tremendous amount of sense that her Jewish community, her own family, would call her a Hebrew name. And she had a foreign name because Hadassah was like, what was that name? And so she, especially as queen, she needed a, a name that everyone would recognize. <clears throat> and that would explain why she has 
this uh, this kind of foreign name, uh, but does parallel Mordechai, who has a, a name the same as Marduk, also Babylonian head of the pantheon. Ben Azai Omer Esther lo aruka velo kesaraheta ela benonit kadasa. Yet another answer uh, that she was called. Her name was Esther. Um, but she was called Hadassah because she was not too tall, not too short, just right. Like a Hadassah, a myrtle tree is nice, just right. Here's a myrtle tree, right? Nice size. Esther was greenish. That doesn't, it sounds like something bad. But what they mean is that she had a, a, a Middle Eastern uh, complexion. Uh, she had a nice complexion like a hadas, and she had a grace, a divine grace strung around her. Uh, she had a beautiful appearance, and that's why she's called um, hadas. That also has a beautiful appearance. The pasuk is, repeti- is repetitious. First, it says she has no father and mother, and then it tells us that her father and mother died. Well, why do I need to know both? Right? Just tell me her died. I don't know, know she didn't have a father or mother. To show that they died young immediately when uh, when she when the mother, her mother became pregnant, the father died, and when she she gave birth, the mother died. So she never had a father mother, not even for a day. <clears throat> okay. And so um, the Peshat sounds like that Mordechai adopted her as a daughter. And that would fit with the theme before of, uh, of adoption. And so Mordechai then raised her. Um, now there's just a, a yud, one, one letter difference between a daughter and bait means house, but it means a wife. In Aramaic, the way the word for wife is debitu, of the house, the person that takes care of the house. Um, uh, so he actually married her as a wife. Um, this is in the parable that Natana Navi comes and tells David when he wants to accuse David and said, you know, you have, you have everything. You're rich and you have a whole lot of wives and you go and take um, uh, Uriah's one wife, uh, you know, poor, poor guy. Uh, Bathsheba. And so how is he going to tell this to the king? So he uses a parable of a poor man. He only has one little lamb. And this other guy comes and he doesn't want to kill his many lambs uh, for, for a guest. And he takes it and, uh, and eats it. And this one lamb lay in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. So we're asking about that analogy. Well, if, the, if you say that this lamb, he was so, he loved the lamb so much, that it was, he, he, he lay with it in his bosom like a daughter. That's a wrong analogy. It should be like a wife. So there we should reread it as it was, it was like a wife to him. So too here should be a wife. And actually makes sense over there because um, the analogy of the man with the lamb is, uh, is to um, Uriah and his wife. So, so since the, uh, the, the, the nimshal there is a man and wife, it does make sense that it would be like a bait. Okay. Now, uh, then it says that um, uh, Hegai saw Esther was so beautiful, and so he rushed 
her process. And uh, he gave her this seven maids to take care of her. Why seven? Oh, well, uh, she used it, instead used this to know when Shabbat was, right? She, she was uh, kind of closed off from the rest of the Jewish community. And so it was hard. And I guess they didn't have regular weeks. And so it was hard to know when Shabbat was. So she knew whenever this certain maid came in the rotation, this was Shabbat. And this shows that Esther kept Shabbat, even though uh, she was in the king's palace. And um, Hegai, the, the 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 head of the uh, of of the woman's uh, of the woman there, he advanced her and her maids, and he gave her everything she needed and uh, put her in the best uh, best place. And the same pasuk, he gave her. He says he gave her the rations. Now, what kind of rations? What did she eat when she was there in the in the king's palace? Did, did they have kosher food? Rav says yes. She got the kosher meal. Right? Don't worry. She kept Shabbat. She kept kosher. She kept everything. Um, that's Rav's opinion. Ushmuel Amar Shechila Kadele de Hazire. She also says no. They they fed her pig uh, uh, pig thighs. Um, okay, this is quite different. Um, now maybe they had intention to uh, give her the best, right? Here we're going to give you the special delicacy. And the question is, did she eat it or not? Tosafot says Chas She didn't eat it. But as she says, she had to eat it. She had nothing else to eat. You know, what could she do? Uh, she was, uh, she was uh, an, an, an Anusa. It is interesting that if you remember a few days ago, Shemuel was that single opinion that said um, that Megillat Esther is not metemeyadayim, right? It's not considered part of uh, one of the books of Tanakh. He said, it is Ruach HaKodesh, but it doesn't have the same status. And you wonder if there's a connection between what Shemuel says here and there, if in fact, they fed her pig, uh, pig, and she ate pig. So this is not really a great uh, example for uh, people to, uh, to 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 aspire to. And therefore, you know what? Maybe Esther is not the, the, the not the holy book. Um, okay. Rabbi Yochanan uh, says she got the vegan meal. Right? She just had uh, uh, seeds, vegetables. And we can learn this from Daniel uh, when he was chosen to be one of the uh, king's advisors. And, uh, and so uh, the, um, the person uh, uh, taking care of them gave him lots of food. He says, no, no, we only want uh, vegetables. And he says, no, how are you going to be strong? He says, try it, right? Give us vegetables. And turned out that he and his friends who were and his Jewish friends who were eating vegetables were stronger than everybody else. So you see, Daniel was very careful when he was in a foreign court to eat only kosher. And so that would be a good analogy, good example. And we could say the same thing for Esther. Uh, okay, but all these are answering basic questions that we have. Esther, what, how, how did she live as a Jewess uh, all those years that she was in the king's palace? And so the Midrash comes to answer that, those questions. Shisha chodashim b'shem and hamor. And then to prepare the, to, to prepare the woman before, uh, in, in the beauty contest, before they came to the king, they would uh, sit for six months in uh, oil of myrrh. Okay, obviously these are all exaggerations and again, making fun of the Persians. Uh, so my shem and hamor, what is this? Uh, what is oil of myrrh? The bichiyabar abba amar setakta. Uh, it's a Greek word uh, called um, this uh, aromatic oil. 
says it's um, take olives that are not they're not fully ripened, only a third ripened, and you get the oil out of them. It's very strong. And we have a braita that also says similarly, calls the anpakinon oil from olives that only a third uh, of their growth. And, and it's good for skin because number one, it removes hair and it also makes the skin soft. And so they had the, the, the women in that type of oil. Um, so Achashverosh, uh, he was, you know, was sleeping with his hair and with all the all the all these women from in the beauty contest. And it says every day in the evening one would come. In the morning she, she went back to the harem. This pasuk explicitly is saying something negative about him. How uh, how um, licentious he was, right? Every night. He was uh, with another woman, but the Biochanan points out there is one good thing to say about him, which is that he did not have relations during the day. Only at night, each of these women would come. And so that's a good lesson to be modest and only um, uh, only uh, be with his wives at night. But to he Esther no set chen, we saw this midrash already, but this is the uh, the, the, the the main source. Um, everyone saw, thought Esther was beautiful. How could that be? Everybody has different tastes. Everybody, you know, likes likes a uh, uh, look of their own nation, and so this shows that Esther had this look that she appeared to everyone as if they, she was part of her own their own nation. Okay, Pasuk says that Esther was taken to Achashverosh in the 10th month, and that is Tevet. What's significant about telling us that it was that month? Well, that's a very cold month in the middle of the winter, and that's a month when you need some body heat. And so it was, Achashverosh um, uh, would like her more because uh, he needed someone to uh, be close to him and uh, and warm each other up. Um, so Achashverosh loved her the best. Um, it says as a repetition here, Mikol Hanashim, from all the women in general, and also from all the betulot, from all the virgins. Why the doubling? That when he had relations with her, if he wanted it to taste like, meaning feel like he was having intercourse with the betula, it felt like that. And if he wanted to feel like that, someone who was uh, who was beula, who was uh, a married woman, then it would feel like that. And that's um, that's why he liked this instead of the best. Um, so Pasuk says he made a, a great feast for uh, all the princes and, um, and, and servants. And then uh, explaining that why did he make all these feasts and everything? Because Achashverosh wanted to find out well, what is Esther's identity. So he made a feast for her, but she didn't reveal it. He 
he made he he lowered taxes in her name, right? In her honor, everybody lowered taxes, and that would be you know very honorable for her, but she wouldn't reveal he gave gifts to the ministers, as the Pasuk says. Um, but he did not, she would not reveal her name. And then the Pasuk says that the virgins would gather together a second time. Um, and then and Mordechai was sitting at the gate. Well, what's the connection between those two things? They're gathering a second time and Mordechai sitting at the gate. So we, uh, Mizash is all part of the same story. Azil Shekal Esami Mordechai. Achashverosh went and asked Mordechai for advice. He says, listen, I have this wife, Esther, but she won't tell me where she's from. And I tried all things. I tried to bribe her and give her honor, and she still won't tell me. Do you have advice? Amar, and Isham mitkanea ela beyerech chaberta. So Mordechai's advice is that if you want a woman to feel jealous, she's only jealous of a thigh of another woman. In other words, bring all the other, bring the other candidates back again, and then she'll feel jealous and maybe she'll feel threatened in her role as, uh, as the queen. And then she'll give in and tell you her identity. Uh, nevertheless, she would not say, say the identity, right? Because once again, says she would not uh, reveal to him um, where she was from. Uh, interesting that Mordechai would give this advice. Um, maybe Mordechai uh, wanted, um, wanted him to find someone else, right? And, uh, and uh, leave off uh, from being with Esther uh, so much. Um, so maybe he, he used this opportunity um, to get a chashverosh offer back. Okay, Pasuk says, Hashem withdraws, withdraws not his eyes from righteous, um, but he establishes them forever. Um, that when when uh, some uh, when someone does something good that's righteous, not only is that person rewarded, but also their descendants. And so here we're going to see a couple of examples um, that Rachel was very modest, and because she was modest, she had a merit of having Shaul come from her. Shaul from, comes from Binyamin, who is Rachel's son. And because Shaul was modest, we'll see how in a second. Esther was a descendant of Shaul. This is interesting because there's no source uh, for this in Tanakh. Uh, she here quotes the Targum that relates them uh, to each other. Okay. Uh, where do we see that Rachel was modest? And here's the famous story of the secret. So when Yaakov first meets Rachel, he says, oh, I am the brother of your father, meaning Yaakov would be Rachel's uncle. But that's not true. Yaakov is actually cousins with Rachel, right? His mother and Rachel's father are siblings. So why do you say I'm your uncle? He should have said, I am your cousin. So rather, here's the full conversation. He said, <clears throat> will, will, will you marry me? She said, yes. But she, uh, Rachel warned him before. You have to know my father is a trickster. And you will not be able to equal him, uh, to outwit him. So when Yaakov says, don't worry, I am equal to him. I am his brother 
in uh, in, uh, in in being a swindler. So that's where that's what he meant when he says, "I am the brother of your father." He didn't mean biologically. He meant that I can outwit the best of them. I can uh, I can uh, uh, handle him. I am the I am brothers with your father uh, in trickery. Um, uh, uh, you know, hinting to the trickery that he did before he uh, with, before he came he 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 ran up there with his uh, father and brother. Amra le mi shadel sadik le sadike disguye bedamayuta and now Rachel surprises. But you're a great sadik. Is sadik allowed to go and use deception like that? Amra le amar la in im navar titabar le mekesh titabar. Says yes. Pasuk in Shemot says um, with someone pure. You should act in a pure way. But when someone is uh, low life, you can also act in a subtle way uh, in order to um, undermine their, that person. So therefore, yes, I am allowed and I'll deal with it. So then Yaakov said, so what, what kind of deception? What, what's, his, what's his plan? Listen, I have an older sister and... Uh, he's not going to let me marry before my older sister is married. So, so since they knew that, Yaakov says, listen, I have a plan. Um, here are some signs, right? A secret that uh, we, we only we know, a secret code. And that way, if on the marriage day, uh, the father should try to switch you with your older sister, we I will know that we'll, we'll check the code. And if you don't, if uh, whoever it is doesn't know it, then I know it's not you. And so they had a the whole plan and they would outwit uh, Lavan. Now it came to the wedding day. And Rachel said, now my, my, my sister, I know my father, he locked me in the room and uh, my sister is going there and he, she's going to be embarrassed. Yaakov's going to be there in the, at the wedding night. And what's the sign? And she's going to be like, what sign? I don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be terrible. And she, she couldn't have her sister uh, be embarrassed. So Rachel told Leah that secret sign. That's why it says in the morning, all of a sudden she was Leah. You can't take that literally. What, before she wasn't Leah? In the morning, all of a sudden, whoever this was turned into Leah? No, she was Leah all along. So how did he not know? Because he asked for the secret sign and this, the woman there knew it because Rachel told Leah what it was. So that's why he thought it was Rachel only in the morning. Then he realized it was Leah. Because Rachel was uh, so modest and, um, and uh, caring for her sister. Um, that's why she merited that she had Shaul, the king, come from her family. Okay, that's the famous story. And how do we see that Shaul was modest? Um, well, because this is when uh, Shemuel went and anointed Shaul as king, and then he came back and he saw his uncle, and his uncle says, oh, where were you? He didn't go and boast and says, oh, ah, I saw Shemuel, he anointed me, now I'm king. He didn't say that. He says, oh, I just went, I was looking for the lamb, right, nothing happened. So because he was modest about that, so he had Esther as a descendant. 
כשהקדוש ברוך הוא פוסק גדולה לאדם, פוסק לבניו, לבני בניו, עד סוף כל הדורות, when Hashem gives a blessing and makes someone great, not only that person, but all their descendants until the end of the world. שנאמר וישיבים לנסח, ויגבעו פסוק איוב, establishes them forever and they are exalted. ואם הגיס דעתו, however, if a person who Hashem makes great, then allows it to go to his head, and that person becomes arrogant, הקדוש ברוך הוא משפילו שנאמר ועם אסורים בזיקים, and if they are bound in chains and cords of affliction, then um, uh, that shows Hashem, uh, and they have behaved, behaved proudly, so if they behave proudly, then Hashem will bring them down. ואת מאמר מרדכי אסתר עושה. The next פסוק says, אסתר would follow whatever מרדכי told her to do. What is this referring to? Not only the instructions of, you know, don't tell uh, who you are and so on, um, but more than that, that uh, when Esther um, uh, saw a blood stain and she wasn't sure, is this blood, is it not blood, different colors, so she would show her uh, check cloths to the sages. And one of the sages was Mordechai. And so she would ask Kalachi questions, even though she's in the palace, she managed to do that. Kasher ito, as she did when she was with, uh, growing up with him. Amar Raba Barlima, sheta omedet becheko shel hachashosh otobelet v'yoshevet becheko shel Mordechai. Now, following up on the interpretation before that she was his wife, um, this means that she would be sleeping with a hachashosh. And then she would go and uh, and uh, go to the uh, go to the mikveh, purify herself, and then she would go and sleep with Mordechai, um, and so maintained her relation. How is she able to do that? Uh, well, she was forced to be with uh, Achashverosh, so um, that's not considered adultery. There's another matter. There's a law that a woman can't be with two men unless you have three months in between, because if she gets pregnant, you need to know who the, who the father is. Uh, so, um, uh, so how did she do that? So Safod says she used protection when she was, at least when uh, she used protection with one of them, probably Achashverosh. Okay. In those days, Mordechai was at the king's day, gate, and these, these uh, two ministers, Biktan and Teresh, um, uh, they, they made a plan to assassinate Achashverosh. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan is going to make a really interesting point that some, you see how events unfold. Hashem had a plan this whole time uh, that this would need to unfold. And this happens once before with Yosef. There's, by the way, a lot of parallels, as I'm sure you know, between Yosef and Megillat Esther. One of them is that uh, Yosef um, is saved from jail through the Saad Ha'ofim, the baker and the butler. Um, and the baker and the butler actually are parallel to the names of the two ministers in Megillat Esther. Because big tan, um, pat, pat bag, this is, in the, the, this is a Persian word for bread. So big tan is related to bread. Teresh, tirosh, right, is wine. And so this is, they, these look like they're parallel to the baker and the uh, wine pourer. Okay, anyway, Rabbi Yochanan says, Hashem made a master be angry with his servants, meaning Pada became angry with his two servants, only so that 
he can save a, a righteous person, and that is Yosef. Uh, okay, so then, then because of that whole story, uh, he was there with them, they, and he interpreted their dreams, and then, they, uh, and then the um, uh, butler got out, and he was able to um, remind Pada of Yosef, and, he, uh, and he, that's how he got out. Avadim al Odonehem la'asot and Hashem also um, made it made it so that uh, that um, uh, servants would be angry at their master. Who is that? Well, that's Big Tan Vateresh, who became angry at their master and wanted to assassinate him. All that was brought about just so Mordechai could overhear and uh, report, and thereby Mordechai had uh, a, a credit with Achashverosh that he was able to use later. Amar Biochanan, Bigtan Vateshine Tarsiim Havu, Bayumasaprin Bilshon Tursi. Now we're going to explain how did Mordechai know the plot? The answer is because the Bigtan Vateresh were tar- Tarsians and they knew this language that they, it was a foreign language and they spoke to each other in and they figured no one else knew, knew the language. And Bigtan Vateresh said, From the day that this one came, meaning Queen Esther, uh, we haven't slept at all. Achashverosh is with Esther the whole night. And so, therefore, he always needs, he's always calling upon his ministers, bring me more to drink. I need this, I need that. And so they're complaining that they can't rest. And they're that upset that they say was going to put a poison in his uh, drink. And that way will kill Achashverosh. They didn't know that Mordechai was one of the members of the Sanhedrin. In order to be a chief a justice in the Sanhedrin, you have to know all 70 languages because who knows who's going to come to the court and you have to be able to uh, interview and ask questions to the witnesses and the litigants in their original language, not through a translator. So therefore, you see, Mordechai knew all the languages, and he knew uh, that he knew what they was what they what they were saying. Amad law, halo and mishmarti mishmartecha shava. Now it says later that uh, they they he checked it out. Mordechai reported it. And there was an investigation, and they found out what, that Mordechai, what Mordechai reported was true. How did they find out that it was true? What, what clues? It was just a conversation that they had, right? What, what did they find to verify Mordechai's claim? And the answer is that in order to plot, they had a problem because they said to each other, "Our my post and your post are not identical. In other words, how can we leave our positions uh, to go and get the poison and put the poison and offer it and all that, right? We are both uh, full time in uh, in the positions that we're doing. So one of them said to the other, listen, I'll take care of my post and your post. I'll cover for you. And then while I'm covering for you, you go and you can arrange, arrange the poison. And so, so when Mordechai reported it, they went back and checked the logs. They checked the, the, the clock in and says, oh, was, was this guy, was he at the post at that time? They asked the other people. So no, no, he left and someone else was covering for him. Uh, so that's how they knew it was true. They were not both at their proper posts. Now it says, after these things, Achashverosh promoted Haman. Why does it say after these things? Was was a promotion of Haman have to do with what came before? This is uh, uh, the Makkah 
the blow that Hashem is going to bring is Haman coming up. But we have a principle that Hashem is always going to bring the medicine before the sickness. And the medicine is the fact that Esther is in place, Mordechai has this on the books, that uh, the king owes him one. And so all the salvation is already ready even before the persecution happens. Hashem will only punish Israel when he already has the solution ready for them. When I heal, first he heals, and only then he uncovers their sin, meaning to bring them punishment. Whereas for other nations, Hashem is angry at them. They deserve punishment. He punishes them, punishes them first. And then after that, when, uh, when, when, it's, uh, when it's finished, then he'll go and create a remedy. <coughs> and this is from Pasuk and Yeshaya. Hashem smites Egypt. And then after he's finished smiting, then he brings the healing, but not before. So then Pasuk says that um, Mordechai refused to bow and it was too little in Haman's eyes to, uh, to uh, punish Mordechai only and he wanted to punish not, and uh, uh, he wanted to punish because they, they told him the people of Mordechai and so he heard, oh, he's from this people. So then he said he wanted to destroy all the Jews. So you see, there's actually three stages, Mordechai alone, then the people of Mordechai. Who are the people of Mordechai? That's different from all the Jews, which is said next in the Pasuk. First, he says, I'm going to take revenge against Mordechai. Then he says, no, more, his, his people, meaning the other sages. And then he said, no, what? I'm going to kill the whole nation. He peeled poor who hagoral. So he makes this uh, lottery and it turns out that uh, the lottery says a good time to go and kill uh, the Jews is going to be in Adar. And he was so happy that it fell in Adar because Haman, he knew his stuff. He knew that Moshe died on, uh, in Adar, right? We have a tradition that he died on the 7th of Adar. Actually, it's based on a calculation. We know that Yoshua he crossed over the Jordan on the 10th of Nisan. And we also know that he had three days of preparation before that. And it also says that they mourned for Moshe for one month. So assuming that nothing else happened in between, a month and three days before the 10th of Nisan is the 7th of Adar. That's how we get that number. And so he says, this is a good sign because the day Moshe dies is a day of bad luck for the Jews. And so, yeah, I'm going to be successful. Here's the thing. But he didn't know, Haman did not know the tradition that Moshe was also born on the 7th of Adar because it says, right, I'm 120 years old today, Hayom. And so meaning uh, 120 was also his birthday. Um, and also good, Parashat Shavua, coincidence of Moshe's birth. Yeshno Am Ehad, now Haman tells Achashverosh, Haman has to sell to Achashverosh, has to convince Achashverosh to go along with his plan and kill them. There was no one better at slander 
than Haman, right? You have to, it's the skill to know how to su- subtly accuse uh, other people and um, be believable. Amar le ta nichlinhu. So here's a conversation that Haman had with Achashverosh. Haman said, let's destroy them. Amar le mistafina melohav. Said, I'm afraid of their God. I don't want to happen to me what happened to the, to the previous guy. The previous guy, Belshazzar, right? In the feast, uh, the, the writing on the wall. And he died that night. So he says, I'm afraid. Amar says, don't worry. They're, they've been asleep regarding the mitzvot. It's a play on words because he says, Yeshno am echad. Yeshno is a, is a irregular word. It should be yesh, yesh am echad. Right? What's yesh no? It's the same letters as yeshnu. They're asleep at the wheel, B'nai Israel. They're not doing mitzvot. So Hashem is not going to protect them. Amar le'it behud abanan. Hashem says, no, but there's the sages among them. And the rabbis, they observe mitzvot. Amar le'am echad hen. Haman says, no, don't worry. They're all one nation. They're all the same. Even if the, there's a few rabbis that are doing, uh, doing the mitzvot, but they're all um, they're all part of the nation, and the rabbis will not have merit because they are um, uh, mixed in with the majority of the Jews who are not observing the mitzvot. Haman goes ahead and he offers. I know what you're thinking. Maybe you're afraid that I'm going to make a bold spot in your kingdom. I'm going to wipe out a whole people, and then there's going to be this empty space, and you don't want to have empty land in the middle of your empire. So don't worry. They're all, they're spread out all over. A few here, a few there, and just get rid of them. You won't even notice. And maybe you'll say, oh, but they're, they, 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 we have benefit from them. Maybe they do good things. No, they're like a meforad, which means separate, is a play on words of a mule, pereda, and they don't, just like a mule cannot produce a offspring, so too the Jews, they don't produce anything for the economy. They do nothing good for society. And so you won't miss them. Shema tomar ika medina taminaihu. And then you say, well, maybe is there one whole province that they all live, like, uh, you know, in Judea uh, or somewhere? And then if we wipe them out, we'll be missing a whole province from the 127. It says, no, there's a few of them all over. And don't worry, they, they're nobody. They contribute nothing to society. You can see that the anti-Semitic stereotypes that are common till today and throughout history are all encoded in this conversation that the rabbis are, are um, presenting here. Uh, goes further. Their laws are different from everybody else. Because they're socially separate. They don't eat with us and they don't uh, marry our woman and they don't allow us to marry their woman, right? So they're separate from everyone. It's a great line. And that their, uh, their, their religion is not the same as everybody else because they're always getting out of working. They're a bunch of lazy bums. You know why? They always say, you know, okay, come work, come to work today. They say shehi is a uh, is a, a, a mnemonic for Shabbat Hayom, Pehi Pesach Hayom. The point is that there's always some holiday. Anybody who's ever worked in a you know in a company, you know, we have to we have off. We have oh, this one is Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, Cholam Oz Sukkot, Shemini Aseret, Simchat Torah. you always have holidays. You always have off. 
and this was a common anti-Semitic trope and back to Roman times uh, that uh, the Jews are lazy and that's why they don't like to work on Shabbat and the holidays. Okay, by making it a, um, uh, a, a mnemonic like this, it shows like they're making fun. Uh, he's making fun of the Jews that they always have. They say this so often, they don't even bother saying the whole Shabbat Hayom. They say, Shehi, Pehi. And the king, it's not worth it for you to leave them and let them live. Why? Uh, because when they eat and drink, they scorn the throne. They make fun of you. How, how If a fly falls into one of their cups, so they throw out the fly and the, the Jew will drink the rest of it. But if you, the king, were just to touch the glass of one of them, they would throw it to the ground and they would not drink it um, because then it would be stam uh, yanam. Uh, and so right, uh, you, they are worse than a fly. A fly, they don't care. They throw it out, right? Um, okay, that actually is a, a true halacha. So he has a point. Um, but it's not because of disrespect of the king. That's just the laws of kashrut. And therefore, Haman is very convincing and now he's ready to go to the next step and please the king. You Let's write a letter that they'll be destroyed and I'm going to give 10,000 shekalim to the treasury. Um, says, Hashem knew that eventually one day um, Haman would give over a way out Shekalim against the Jewish people to buy, to bribe the king, to destroy them. And therefore, he again is he gives them merit beforehand by commanding Bnei Israel to give Machasita Shekel, right, uh, way, way before when he gave the Torah. That way, the people's giving of the Shekel will outweigh Haman's uh, payment of the Shekel and will be a merit to save them. And that's why Mishnah um, Shekelim says that on the first of Adar is when we make an announcement that everyone should give and also regarding kilayim. Kilayim is done at this point because um, even if you don't plant two species together and they just grow on their own, you're still responsible. So in Adar, when things start to grow, is we remind everyone, go out to your fields, check if there's diverse kinds and pluck out one of them so you don't violate them. And now shikalim also, even though technically the fiscal year of the Bet HaMikdash starts from Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so really you could just tell people, hey, before Nisan, uh, uh, shortly before Nisan, tell everyone to bring Machasita Shekel. But we don't do that. We announce it on the first of Adar. Why? Because we want it to be before Purim so that our giving of Machasita Shekel will be before we uh, read about Haman's uh, giving of the Shekel um, so that our merit will precede um, his, uh, his evil intention. Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.